0: chapter 4 of the quest of the golden pearl this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by gloria begaman the quest of the golden pearl by john robert hutchinson chapter four introduces Bosun, and tells how captain mango proved himself a trump the schooner had sailed when the dismay caused by this unlooked-for turn of events had somewhat abated jack catching sight of the black boy's lugubrious face fell too, laughing heartily after all said Don, following his chum's example it's no use crying over spilt milk i'm not sure but this is the best thing that could have happened jack my opinion exactly we began the quest without the gov's knowledge and nolan's volans we must continue it without his consent what's the next piece on the program old fellow don pondered for a moment why first said he we must ascertain whether that fellow told us the truth about the shark-charmers having gone across the strait if it turns out that he has then i'm not exactly clear yet as to what our next move will be though i've an idea you shall hear what it is later on all right said jack whatever course you decide on i'm with you heart and fist anyhow arrived in the vicinity of the bazaar puggles was at once dispatched to learn what he could of the shark charmer's movements in half an hour he returned his report confirmed that which they had already heard the shark charmer had undoubtedly sailed for the opposite side of the strait. Throwing himself upon his back in the shade of the banyan tree, which had witnessed the discovery of the pearls, Don drew his helmet over his eyes and pondered long and deeply. "'Jack,' said he at length, "'how much money have you?' Jack turned out his pockets. "'Barely a rupee and a half.' Said he. And I, added Don, turning out his own, have four and a half. Here one rupee got sahib cried Puggles, tugging at his waistcloth. Me giving him heart and fist anyhow. That makes seven rupees then, said his master laughing. Not much to continue the quest on, eh, huh, Jack? We'll manage, said Jack hopefully. "'But I say, you haven't told us your plans yet, old fellow. "'Oh, our course is as plain as a pike-staff. "'We'll hire a native boat and follow the shark-charmer across the strait. "'The only question is, where is enough money to come from?' "'Don't know,' said Jack, "'unless we try to borrow it in the bazaar.' at this juncture there occurred an interruption which unlikely though it may seem was destined to lead to a most satisfactory solution of this all-important and perplexing question while this conversation was in progress puggles had seated himself at a short distance behind his master and throwing his turban aside proceeded to untie and dress the one tuft of hair which adorned the back of his otherwise cleanly shaven head directly above the spot where he sat there extended far out from the trunk of the banyan a branch of great size from which dangled numerous rope-like air roots which reaching to within a few feet of the ground swayed to and fro in the morning breeze out along this branch crept a large black monkey which after taking a cautious survey of puggles and his unconscious neighbors glided noiselessly down one of the swinging roots and from its extremity dropped lightly to the ground within a yard of the discarded turban cautiously with his cunning ferret eyes fastened on the preoccupied Puggles, the monkey approached the coveted prize, snatched it up, and with a shrill cry of triumph turned tail and fled. Looking quickly round at the cry, Puggles took in the situation at a glance. Saib, sar, he shouted, invoking the aid of both his master and Jack in one breath one black double monkey me turban done hooking and leaping to his feet he gave chase why said jack the little beast is making a bee-line for the old fort it must be bosun captain mango's pet monkey captain mango cried "Don," as though seized with some sudden inspiration never thought of him until this minute and clapping on his helmet he set off at a run after puggles and the monkey away like the wind went the monkey the stolen turban trailing after him through the sand like a great serpent and away went puggles his back hair flying but while puggles was short of wind the monkey was nimble of foot the race was therefore unequal from the start its finish more summary than satisfactory for as Puggles ran, with his eyes glued upon the scurrying monkey, and his mouth wide-stretched, his foot unluckily came in contact with a tree-root, which lay directly across his path. Immediately beyond was a bed of fine, soft sand, and into this he pitched head foremost. Just then his master came up, with Jack at his heels. "'Sigh!' sar spluttered puggles knuckling his eyes and spitting sand right and left double monkey done stole turban where him going Sahib. come on pug his master called out as he ran past your headgear's all right the monkey's taken it into the fort the structure known as the fort occupied the summit of a sandy knoll about which grew a thick plantation of coconut palms seemingly as ancient as the fort itself the walls of the enclosure had so crumbled away in places as to afford glimpses of the buildings within these were two in number one an ancient down, as dilapidated as the surrounding wall the other a bungalow in excellent repair blazing in all the glory of abundant whitewash towards this building after passing the tumble-down gateway with its turreted side towers alive with pigeons don and his companion shaped their course for this was by no means their first visit to the fort a broad low-eaved veranda shaded the front of the bungalow and upon this opened two or three low windows and a door as they drew near a shadow suddenly darkened the doorway and there emerged upon the veranda an individual whose pea-jacket and trousers of generous nautical cut unmistakably proclaimed him to be a seafaring man about his throat a neckerchief of a deep marine blue was tied in a huge knot, while from beneath the left leg of his wide pantaloons there projected the end of a stout wooden substitute for the real limb. On catching sight of his visitors, an expression of mingled astonishment and pleasure overspread his honest bronzed features. "'Shiver me binnacle!' roared he, advancing with a series of hitches and extended hand to meet them. Shiver me binnacle if it ain't Master Don and Master Jack made port again, and split my top sails yonders the little nigger swab, a-bearing down under full sail out of the often, Lay alongside the old hulk, my hearties, and tell an old shipmate what may be the meaning of it all where away might the schooner be i axes to tell you the truth captain mango said Don, shaking the old sailor by the hand in hearty fashion on that point we're as much at sea as yourself we pulled ashore last night on a little matter of business of our own without the skipper's knowledge you understand and when we returned here this morning the schooner had sailed shiver me figurehead if ever i in any yarn to beat that roared the captain gripping jack by the hand in turn and ye mean to say now as ye ain't a tween decks sound asleep in your bunks when the wessel gets under way not we cried jack laughing at the captain's puzzled face and earnest manner we were miles down the coast just then belay there sang out the captain rubbing his stubbly chin in greater perplexity than ever blow me if i'm able to make out what tack you're on lad for d'ye see i lays alongside o the wessel somewheres about eight bells arter they fires the signal gun d'ye see to pay my specs to the master like and shiver my bulkhead when i axes what might your bairns be lads he ups and says the yonkers be below decks says he and so he weighs anchor and shapes his course for columbie it's plain there's been a double misunderstanding said Don, we knew nothing of the gov's intention to sail this morning and he knew nothing of our absence from the schooner he of course thought we were below and so sailed without us as i hinted just now we're ashore on business of our own fact is we're in a fix and we want your advice advice is it cried the captain leading his visitors indoors fire away lads till i hears what manner o stuff you wants and the wary best a water-logged old seaman can give ye ye shall have shiver me figurehead, if ye shan't How afore we lays our heads together like i'll pipe the cook and order ye some whittles this hospitable duty performed the captain threw himself into a chair with his main brace as he jocosely termed his wooden leg extended before him and bidding don proceed with what he had to say composed himself to listen whereupon don recounted the cause and manner of the shark-charmer's punishment the discovery and subsequent loss of the pearls together with their reasons for suspecting the shark-charmer of the theft as well as how they had been tricked by the latter's supposed accomplice and on making their way back to the beach had found not the schooner as they expected but a deserted roadstead the thief has crossed the strait there's no doubt about that he concluded we want to hire a boat and go in pursuit of him but the governor's sudden departure has placed us in a dilemma the fact is captain we haven't enough cash to belay there roared the captain stumping across the room to a side-table hold hard lads till i has a whiff of the fragrant shiver me main-top there's nothing like tobaccy for illin up a seaman's runnin gear says you filling a meerschaum pipe of high color and huge dimensions from a pouch almost as large as a sailor's bag the captain reseated himself and for some minutes puffed away in silence shiver me smokestack cried he at last slapping his thigh energetically with his disengaged hand the thing's as easy as boxing the compass lads you axes me for advice my advices up anchor and away as soon as ye can supplies is low says you what o that i axes there's a canvas bag in the old sea-chest yonder as will charter all the boats hereabouts if so be as they're wanted which they ain't d'ye mind me Ye can draw on the canvas bag, lads, and welcome, why not? I axes And there's as tight a little cutter in the boat house below as ever ye clapped eyes on, which the jolly tar's her name What's at your service? shiver me mainbrace if it ain't and blow me as the fog horn says to the donkey engine I'll ship along with ye lads and a sailin we'll go will go and a sailin we will go he concluded with a stave of a rollicking old sea-song hurrah you're a trump captain and no mistake cried jack while Don sprang forward and gripped the old sailor's hand with a heartiness that showed how thoroughly he appreciated this generous offer "'Why, ye see, lads,' explained the captain apologetically, "'twould be equal to ascendin' of ye to Davy Jones "'if I was to let ye go pokin' round this ere straight alone. "'Now me, rope-yarn and marlin' spikes, "'there ain't a reef nor a shoal nor yet a crick "'between Columbie and Jaffna Pint, "'but what's laid down on this ere old chart o' mine?' "'tapping his forehead significantly. "'And besides, I'm a-spillin' for a bit of the briny. "'So with you I ships, and why not? "'I axes. "'And right glad of your company and assistance. will be, Captain,' said Don. "'The main difficulty will be, of course, "'to discover to what part of the Indian coast the thief has gone.' "'The captain puffed thoughtfully at his pipe.' why as for that said he at length i've an idee as i knows his reckonin shiver me binnacle if i ain't but that's neither here nor there at this present speakin ballast's the first consideration lads so draw up your cheers and tackle the perwisions when they had complied with this welcome invitation to the entire satisfaction of the captain and their own appetites now lads said the sailor gaily do ye turn in and snatch a wink o sleep whiles i goes and gets the cutter ready for puttin to sea for says you look alive's the word if so be as we wants to overhaul the warmant, as took the treasure in tow spike my guns we'll make em heave to in no time for all things is ready and nothing we want to fit our ships as ride so close by both whittles and weapons they be nothing scant like worthy sea-dogs ourselves we will try trolling this ditty the captain stumped away while his guests made themselves as comfortable as they could and sought the slumber of which they stood so much in need. It was late in the afternoon when they woke. Puggles had disappeared. Proceeding to the beach, they found the captain, assisted by a small army of native servants, busily engaged in putting the finishing touches to his preparations for the proposed voyage. Just above the surf-line lay the jolly tar, a trim little craft, fitted with mast and sprit whose sharp clean-cut lines betokened possibilities in the way of speed that promised well for the issue of their enterprise in the cuddy amid a bewildering array of pots pans and pankins puggles had already installed himself his shining face a perfect picture of self-complacent good-nature whilst Boson, newly released from duran's vial sat in the stern sheets cracking nuts and jabbering defiance at his black rival a purty craft chuckled the captain checking for a moment the song that was always on his lips as he led his visitors to the cutter's side stave my water but if there's anything can pull ahead of her in these ere parts everything shipshape and ready to hand do you see whittles for the voyage and drink for the voyagers likewise ammunition's a war cried he proudly pointing out a number of muskets and shining cutlasses which a servant just then brought up and placed on board bath whittles and weapons they be nothing scant so like worthy sea-dogs ourselves we will try what with the cutlasses and guns and the captain's wooden leg to say nothing of our small arms don said jack we'd better set up for buccaneers at once shiver me main brace a wooden leg ain't sich a bad article arter all rejoined the captain specially when a seaman falls overboard "'with a life-buoy of that nater rove on to his starn-sheets, "'he sartin to keep one leg above water, says you.' "'No doubt of that, even if he goes down by the head,' assented Don, laughing. "'But I say, Captain, what's in the keg, spirits?' "'Avast there,' replied the captain, "'half shutting one eye and contemplating the keg with the other.' that air keg lads has stuff in its hold what's a sight better in spurts gunpowder lads that's what it is and spike my guns if we don't broach the same to the health of old Salombo when we falls in with him what say you lads we always be ready steady lads steady we'll fight and we'll conquer again and again i hope we shan't have to do that captain said jack gravely but powder or no powder we'll pay the beggar out anyhow right lad so we'll just take the keg along with us in case of emergencies like shiver my compass there's no tellin' aforehand what this ere venture may lead to to whatever the venture was destined to lead preparations for its successful inception went on apace and by nightfall all was in readiness. The captain, declaring that he couldn't abide the ways of them air-jebbering nigger-swabs when afloat, the only addition to their numbers was a single trusty servant of the old sailors who was taken along rather with a view to the cutter's safety when they should be ashore than because his assistance was required in sailing her dawn having dispatched an overland messenger with a letter to his father explaining their absence and proposed undertaking as the full moon rose out of the eastern sea the cutter was launched half an hour later with her white sails bellying before the freshening land breeze she bore away for the opposite shore of the strait on that quest from which one at least of those on board was destined never to return while her sails were yet visible in the moonlit offing a native crept down to the deserted beach he was a dark-skinned evil-featured fellow and the moonlight falling upon his face showed his left temple to be swollen and discoloured as from a recent blow on his shoulder he carried a paddle and a boat-hook the wind will drop just before dawn he muttered as he stood a moment noting the strength and direction of the breeze then you white devil then and he patted the boat-hook affectionately as if between him and it there existed some secret dark understanding Selecting a balum, or dug-out, from amongst a number that lay there, he placed the boat-hook carefully in the bottom of the frail skiff, and launched it almost in the furrow which the cutter's keel had ploughed in the yielding sand. Then, springing in and plying his paddle with rapid strokes, he quickly disappeared in the cutter's wake. End of chapter 4